why I like the system I made. Because I always wanted to play more games where you weren't necessarily some great hero because you killed something. Mm-hmm. You might be a hero because you discovered something. Yeah. Or you brought back some piece of knowledge, which yeah. this is a society. The, the system is based around a society where there, there was a time when everybody had water easily accessible. They know that it exists. They refer to it as the last age. Um, but because of what happened, we basically suffered a dark age. Yeah. So we've recessed as a people to almost feudal era styles of living. Um, and about 70 or I think it's like, it's either 70 or 80% of the U.S. is not be able to be populated. Because it's been irradiated or what? Um, because it's been irradiated and turned into a barren. So most of the central U.S., is basically desert that doesn't have a lot of water-based resources for people to go into mm. on a whim, and thus it can't be populated. The only area within the U.S. that's still populatable is the Great Lakes and the track that the Mississippi River runs along. Mm-hmm. The Mississippi River is is our Nile. Yeah. In this scenario. Yeah. Everywhere else is pretty much a blasted hellscape. But within that hellscape, there are old technological factories. Um, there are bands of people somehow surviving on the fringes of society off of irradiated water and these minuscule resources. What was the name but of that most- series? You remind me of a book series that I actually listened to while I was working my pharmaceutical job. Um, mm. Peter Jackson just did a version of it. Oh, um, the the big like um, car. Yeah, the city, movie? The, the moving cities, Mortal Engines. Mortal Engines. Yeah, yeah, Mortal Engines. Okay, so that's a trilogy of a book oh. of a book series. I've listened to all of them. You can probably listen to it if you. If, okay, how do I phrase this? You can listen to all three books in three days if you have an eight-hour shift that lets you listen to books while you work. <laughs> yeah, that's the math. Because I was listening to it through um, the Seminole County Library, which had it on Audible, or you could get it through their website um, or through their uh, link. Um, basically, um, it, 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 it goes to an age beyond ours um, where they have um, cities or whatnot that are able to become mobile, and then they become able to eat other cities. So it, that sounds really cool. It creates it's a different level of it's a certain type of Darwinism that they adopt that creates the philosophy of the whole world. Um, mm-hmm. And America becomes this other barren wasteland because there's like a great war, another great war that happens. America becomes a something barren wasteland, but it becomes sort of an ice barren wasteland in terms of what happens in the second book, so to speak. the The world is in, is fascinating. Um, some of the mentor-like heroes are great, but the main characters are not compelling to me. 
Um, it's sort of the issue that I had with Ransom Riggs' Peculiar series with mm -hmm. Mary Pe Miss Peregrine's Peculiar Children. The main uh -huh. character is not likable. The only character you like becomes... It, she doesn't become a Susan. She's just not... Like, she... You end up seeing... I think... I feel like I think I saw her end up becoming limited. Or, like, the, or the actions had to... Or the situations limited her ability to influence them. So it had to fall to the uninteresting main character. Right. But your barren wasteland in America becoming a barren wasteland in this age afterwards, it reminds me of um, um, Mortal Engines. Mortal. Yeah. So if you want to listen oh. to a free audiobook, if you can figure out how to hack into the New York City Library or the Orange County Library and get free audiobooks, there you go. <laughs> I will definitely – I'll look into that because Mortal Engines is something I was interested in when it uh, came out, but the movie itself was horrible. Um, I looked at I looked at the trailer. That's all I looked at. I looked at the trailer after I finished watching yeah, the movie and went – I didn't watch the no. movie. No. Uh, cause no. Because I saw the trailer and it, was, it looked horrible, but the concept sounded cool. Yeah. So um, – Well, here's the, here's the funnier thing. By the end of the third move – the third um, – the trilogy, the main characters actually become unimportant in like sort of the last uh, chapter dash epilogue. Um, so it's just, it's one of those things where this could have been a very legendary trilogy if there weren't dramatic failures in character development or character mm -hmm. decision making out of the two main characters. Like if you want characters to fall in love, you don't want to be, be you don't want to sit there in the sequel book and be begrudged to their fucking relationship. Ooh. Yeah. Or look at what a character does and go, how do you not rethink your decision you're about to make before a certain point, especially when you've got a long sort of flight, like to that, to making that bad decision. Yeah. It just, there's just, there's certain elements of like two of the main characters that are badass. And then just, like, not actually human. Because there's certain human fallacies that are very believable. Like, you're just like, I could, like, you, the great human fallacies that are shown in narratives that grip you are the ones that you go, I would do that. I would fucking do that. Like, I would be that stupid. Right. I would be that focused in on this. That or I that would, you could at least see somebody reasonably choosing if they were, yeah, yeah. You know, based on their character. Yeah, and as I listened to that book, I went, no. Oh God. No. Why are you? No. 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 Why would you? This doesn't make any sense. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Well, here's my. Here's the funniest thing. My favorite character dies within one book. Ow. She is created and dies in one book. Ow. And then I am left in the in the preceding book or whatnot because I don't want to spoil too much. She left you behind with. She's she's dead dies in a tragic way and you're sitting there going like, but I like this character. The other two characters I don't like, but I have to put up with them now. They have to carry this fucking story. You've got to be <laughs> shitting me. What the fuck, man? And, and yet nobody was shitting you. It was you uh, who no, had shat. No, no. The universe is fascinating. There's some characters that are just great. Like, the unfortunate thing about that series is that the two main characters end up so flawed, but a lot of supporting characters are just gorgeous. Um, so yeah, back to your back to your wasteland 
desert, Great Depression, 20s era, next era, uh, D and Speaking. D&D, not D&D, Bryant-esque, 6E version. Speaking of um, inspiration or uh, similar, situa- similar settings, um, a, a source that I drew heavy inspiration from was um, Stephen King's The Dark Tower. Um, I need. To, I feel like I need to spend like a year on Stephen King to grab a few of his books and then and then read the and then listen to the Dark Tower series. the The Dark Tower series is fantastic. However, I would say that if you can find an old version of the Dark Tower book, that would be the one to do it because he he edited the book um, a few years back for a uh, with like a hundred thousand extra words to it. Um, that didn't need to be there. The first book was pretty much clean, perfect when it was done uh, the first time. Um, it. I think I read it when I was um, like sixteen, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it it opened my eyes to what the definition of a heroic character can be because I was very single-minded on what uh, heroic characters could be. Cause it was always uh, somebody who, you know, like would do the right thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's not very interesting if that's all there is. It's the Superman issue and you have to create a cardboard kingdom to make Superman interesting. Right. Um, where the main character in this story, his name's Roland. He's just he's just a person. Like he's just a man with a with a lot of skills. He's he's very good at what he does, but he is very fallible. Um, and throughout the course of the book, um, I don't want to I don't want to yeah. spoil it for anybody. Spoiler um, well. thing here, but. The important question I have is: Do you feel that that bo- that series is enhanced um, significantly by reading other Stephen King books? Not necessarily. I I'm not a Stephen King fan. I actually well, don't like most of his books. Okay, because my because I know that he incorporates several of his previous books before the Dark Tower series, and they kind of wind up into that interdimensional world of the Dark Tower series. Oh yeah. Um. As, as much as I may not be a Stephen King fan, I think it was very important for him to write the other books that he did before he wrote this one. Um, I'm a fan of meta-narrative, mm-hmm. where the narrative examines itself, mm-hmm. which is why I like Deadpool as a character, Yeah, uh, and why I love The Dark Towers as a series. Um, the Gunslinger, which is the first book, perfect book on its own. If you never read the rest of the Dark Tower series, that's fine. That book is a complete story on its own and is beautiful. The rest of the series is fantastic as well, except for book five. It's a bit of a brick. Um, but when you get through it, you it, it gets much better. Um, it's a brick that sharpens right at the last tip end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, but that, that series of, of stories 
inspired me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, with its with the, the meta narrative, it's genre combining. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, does it say fuck convention? <laughs> because, because if I can describe it in every way that it is, it is a Western sci-fi fantasy of time traveling, dimension hopping, a uh, group of adventurers where one book is entirely a flashback. The whole book is a flashback, which is fucking bonkers because it's one of the better books, like out of the whole series. It's one of the best books out of the series, the flashback book. Um, that is equal parts comedy, tragedy, and adventure. It is it is the masala of books series. It's like the magnum opus of his career. That actually, the funny part about that is. He stopped writing it for a while and almost got into a, a situation where he died and he was interviewed and he says, and he said, I need to finish the series before I die. Yeah. Because he considered it his magnum opus. Yeah. Um, but then again, this is me as a fanboy of the series. I, I completely understand my opinion of this is biased one because I love Westerns. Um, both as a concept and a, a genre, and two, because it was one of the first um, series of books that showed me what people could be as heroes rather yeah. than the the standard. Yeah, the gold so, standard as opposed to the flawed standard. Yeah, yeah. Which I love. I love flawed heroes. If you have someone who's been who is primarily heroic, but then makes the wrong choice because they believe it is the right choice. Yeah. That is tragic, and I fucking love it. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to be so loud. Well, I just I just finally finished um, the core Richard Collin, Richard Kalen series. I think um, Tara Goodkind is about to revamp it or something like that when I check the subreddit. But I finally finished that series, and so I'm trying. I'm probably about to configure what I'm about to endeavor into next in terms of fiction listening to. Um, so, if I make the potentially, and I'm waiting to get blown up by this, the naive choice to just jump into the Dark Tower series and crash through that inside of six months um, through audiobook, that might be the that might be the send off right there. Do it. Because I'm, I'm actually, I laugh at this idea. So I do, um, I do pest control, pest control in my day job, which is like probably about six thirty a.m. to like three p.m. every day, Monday, Monday through Friday. And I'm fascinated by the idea that I could be out in a really rich person's house, like going around their house checking termite stations, being scared shitless by a Carrie uh-huh. story, just to get all these contextual, like other stories of Stephen King. To then go into the Dark Tower series and have all these extra emotions as I go through the series, because I think that would be, I I as I don't think it'd probably be quintessential to the Dark Tower series narrative. I think there's something to be said about you, and you know this when you read yeah. one sentence reference 
and it brings about like six months of trauma of reading another <laughs> fucking book. Like, like I, I absolutely know about that. So, like, did you ever read the Aragon series, the Quad? Motherfucker! Right? Melanie, me Melanie couldn't even get past the first one because it got so boring to her. That's what I grew up on. Right. Let me tell yeah. you, spoiler warning, when Brom died, mm. I couldn't pick the book up for three weeks. Brom. Because I just couldn't. Was that his dad? It wasn't his dad. It was his mentor in the first book. And he makes the crystalline graveyard outside yes. the city. When he died, I could not pick up the book for three weeks because I was so sad. I was just like, you hurt me, Aragon. Okay. I can't let you do that again. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> I mentioned yeah. you in regards to you couldn't finish um, the first book of the inherited Inheritance Cycle. You mean Aragon? It was Aragon, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's 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 fair. I, as I got older, I realized the book's not great. It's it's a book that's written by a kid, and it it, it was. as an adult reading it, it was a book written by a kid. It was, it was, it was a book written but by a, a kid. child. It was entertaining enough to me to me to for me to slog through it, and I asked for every book afterwards. You know. Yeah. Yes, dear. Um. Okay, but like the one reference I had. Is that every time I I have the intonation of a hammer based combat, I think of oh! his, I think of his brother's fucking scene, his brother's scene where he oh knocks down like two hundred motherfuckers one at a time. It's rising on their fucking bodies. Oh my god! Like granted, granted, um, Christopher, what's his face, who wrote the series? Granted, he's a young kid. Yeah, Paolini or something like that. He was a huge like Tolkien fan, I imagine, which is where people want to criticize it as like a Tolkien knockoff. And I was like, yes, it has elves, dwarves, dragons, or whatnot. But there's something to be said about certain moments in that series were so iconic that you can't you can't discredit it as a piece of trash when no. it sells so well. If it's like it's one of those where like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star was written by a twelve year old. Or a six-year-old, but it's still mm. lauded because it is from a legendary thing that is so memorable and just sticks into the it, it, it inserts itself against your will into the ether of human history. Right. And that scene where um, his brother is just one-offing through a pile of bodies with a hammer, so like, like cool. suck my dick. Not to mention, like in the final book. The final fucking book when you're getting that image of the main villain's dragon just rising over the fucking... Um, it's like the size of a fucking city. city. Yeah, it just throws its shadow out. You just sit there reading words and seeing it in your head and going like... Aah! My problem with the last book, and it's also... I thought it was kind of genius at the same time. He, he wins just because he learns Understanding. the magic of Jesus' words. The magic of understanding. If you can, if you can force understanding on someone like he does with magic Jesus words or whatnot, and like his brother learns with magic Jesus words, if you can force someone to understand your perspective, their entire argument falls. It's actually a very, um, it's a very meta argument. 
and it feels yeah. like a cop out. But if you could ever get someone to understand your perspective, their entire argument is either validated or destroyed. Yep. And, and that's the that's the part that I liked about it. But also, I, I realized that it's kind of a cop out. Like, but yeah. at the same time, I I, I loved it. Oh God, it, it's very conflicting. So, anyways, it, 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 I think that's what makes it great. Yeah. yeah, because if you understand anything about human existence is that if you can fix if you can let your ideas die, you don't have to. Yep. And unfortunately, he couldn't the main villain could not let his ideas die, therefore he had to. Yep. And that's what makes it so like not traditional in terms of a very basic um narrative conclusion where the main villain dies or gets gets sent to the underworld or exile or something because it's if you're going to be met with impossible odds, you must come up with the impossible, the impossible answer. answer. Yes. Yeah. And the impossible answer in a human narrative is actually based in ideas. Yep. It's not based in just monkeys, monkeys fucking fighting as much as like part of us wants that. Filthy monkeys. Because all that really happens to defeat like Sauron is a ring is melted in a volcano. That's but it's all. not about that. No, it's about like the age of man. And here's what I here's what's so crazy to me about like all of these like meta these fucking fantasy things is that part of me believes in things that they are an alternative timeline timeline to before what we know as history that goes back to the most ancient things that we know about Egypt. Like and there's certain things that science can't explain like how they were able to create farmland in amazon because if you like if you want to check this shit out um because i've been watching jre for a while and i've gone back if you looked at randall carlson or um um hancock these guys that believe in ancient history before ancient history as we know it and believe like human civilization is way older than we believe it is based on current archaeology which is way more gridlocked and preventative of new ideas coming into play i it, it it's it's there are certain stories that our fiction writers are creating that compel our spirits so much that if they are not true in some way to the history of the earth, it's beyond me. Like there's like, I think Tolkien captures like an age of human and magical history of the earth that may have factually happened, but we are, we in this current age of human existence can never actually attain. Um, an interesting point to that, um, based off of, I keep drinking this alcohol combo to get more hydrated, but that's not a realistic, <laughs> that's not chemically based, viable. Based off of the, um, the similarian and, uh, everything that went into the, the Tolkien books. Yeah. The um, quad, the quad plus yeah. the similarian. Middle earth is actually just an Island off of, um, like uh, the uh, like Nordic lands. Yeah, it's which one, is fucking crazy. Yeah, it's one. Would how big would you say Middle Earth is? Like as a whole, from it, it, it's not that big apparently. Yeah. Well, I I would have to go back and because I did go through all four books on audiobook in the last like year and a half. Um. And I just, I just don't know how long, how far, how long feels because Gandalf went from 
where did he take him? Because he got Pippin um, just after the just after the two towers combat, and goes for like a week or two to get to Gondor by constant horseback. So I, I I don't know what that equates to in terms of size, because you could probably call that maybe like a third, a yeah. third of like the stretch of Middle Earth, as an entire region, because not even the Shire is actually at the coast. There's still like maybe a third to get to the coast, where they actually eventually leave, um, and end the series there and return to the king. I'm, cap on that. Oh, wrong cap. Wrong cap. And I bumped, my, <laughs> I bumped my tooth on that, too. Yo, oh. that's how I chipped uh, this tooth right here. What, where you, like, take a bottle straight to the mouth, and then you end up chipping a tooth because you're retarded? Yep. Relatable. <laughs> um, so, anyways. Yeah, my that's... A, a lot of my uh, world is based off of the Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of what I wanted to do with... Um, the non-combat classes is also make a bunch of different backgrounds for people to come from because... They don't have to directly relate to combat. Yeah, and like, um, hold on, let me, I'm actually going to pull up on the... Do you have like a Goliath that knits? (laughs) Oh, the race Goliath. Okay, uh, no, we don't have Goliaths. We do have, um... Mutants, though, which were created through magical mutation, like um, like witchers, kind of, but not in the way you're thinking. They look like, and I, I, I shit you not, they look like Sasquatch. You want to define Sasquatch because, like, oh, so they uh, look like hairy motherfuckers. They look like big hairy uh, gorilla people. Like you, not shaven. Sure. That's- go with that amazingly insulting <laughs> comparison. Um, where is... Okay, um, Okay. so some of the backgrounds I have are um, things like um, the Holy Sword. You were once a, a, a criminal and people haven't forget, forgotten or forgiven you. You exiled yourself out into the wasteland to die, alone and half crazy from the lack of water. Nearly starving, you wandered upon the ruins of a long-forgotten battlefield, the bones of the dead covered in sand and eroded by wind. You heard something calling to you from the center of the field. Stuck in the sternum of a near-giant, almost humanoid creature was a single blade. This blade was held by a small human skeleton that couldn't have been taller than five and a half feet. It was not grand or large, but inscribed in a language you don't know and whispers to you. Your only recourse was to take it. Now you wander with this instrument on your side and little else. So that's like one of the the like more and it's like a mutant? weird. It's a mutants. Like oh no no that's a that's just a background that you okay. Can pick. Okay. Uh, the races are um, actually. Humans are the only actual race. Everything else is just kind of an offshoot of what uh, a human is, which I tried to think of it from a real life perspective in that way. Basically, this is the the, the setting is Earth, but three hundred years in the future or so. So there's humans, rad turned, which are basically ghouls from Fallout. Um, 
people who were mutated such that by radiation rather than music magic that they uh live extremely long lifespans okay um but are sickly and weak themselves mutants who are people created through magical um radiation um because at some point during that 300 year span humans started being able to do magic um and it caused all sorts of crazy shit to happen cyborgs which are just humans with robot parts yeah and then the last one isn't actually human it's robots yeah pure robots yeah um, so those are all the different kinds of like races you can be. And then when you've picked that, you pick one of these backgrounds, which Holy Sword is a background. There's also Major City Citizen. Hailing from one of the last uh, major cities, um, you've lived a life most have only dreamed. Access to water on a semi-regular basis, food in your belly at least once a day, and a mat to sleep on with a roof over your head. That's the That's the dream. <laughs> Uh, your job, while not necessarily fulfilling, keeps you alive and you're good enough to stay at it. The dream in this world. That's the dream for most people. Um, child of a preacher man. Um, so they're Catholic. Where, well, not necessarily. It's any of the, the magic uh, religions. Shamans, voodoo's, or uh, godsmen. Wait, did you say voodoo's? Yeah, that's what they're called. Like, like bros who use dolls to fuck with you? Well, no. Dude <laughs> is in the Western term, you fucking uncultured swine. I'm just picturing uh, some stoner surfer motherfucker with a Barbie doll going, Dude! Check it out. I'm going to make him stab himself, man. <laughs> um, but anyone who follows what would be an Abrahamic religion is called a godsman. Um, oh, okay. So, and shamans are shamans. Okay. Okay. Um, Bounty Hunter is one of the more combat-focused ones. You start off with, like, a gun. And these give you items to start off with as well, as well as special abilities or yeah. other stuff. At a certain point, when someone was doing a test reading of this, they were like, wow, you have a lot of classes in, the, in this game. And I'm like, no, these are just backgrounds. The classes come later. He's like, what the fuck? Um, have you done a full exploration of your system? Like, for, like, I, so, I always have to remember, remind myself um, and how I'm talking to someone. Like, are you trying to pitch this as something that you want to take further for marketing or something like that but like have you done like a full capturing of this system in a um in a game per se because i feel like you've been developing this and made it into a game it's it's sort of my my curiosity is i guess are you interested in actually like playing this out into a well-developed campaign to showcase it and perhaps oh, yeah. like because i feel like you've probably troubleshot this enough um that as ridiculous or complex as it may appear, it is quite, it's actually easily executable once you get through what might be considered taller than actually are humps. Um, the, 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 the biggest problem that I've noticed is my writing. Like just your there's, English? Partially. There's a point where my 
brain can understand something and write it down that other people obviously, you know, they don't, they aren't privy to what's going on in my head. Yeah. Which is why I need play testers. And yeah. when I, for instance, um, there are people that when I have them uh, make a character for the, the game, I say nothing during character creation unless they specifically ask. Because yeah. I ask, I ask them, I need you to go through this as if I wasn't here. Yeah. And the parts that they don't understand allow me to understand what needs further explanation. Yes. Um, okay. so in the state that it's in right now, I would obviously never sell this. Yeah. Because it's, just, it's, it's a bungled up bunch of ideas thrown together um, by my brain. Yeah. Well, I always but, have I always have an interest in production because I see everything as a potential series. But yeah, um, I would love to to do that. Um, the the example that I gave you earlier about the robot blowing up a a city because mm -hmm. they wouldn't give him water that's this that's this game. Um, it would be he, a robot. He was trying, and and the thing is, he failed at doing what he was trying to do. He was trying to send the nuke off far enough so that it wouldn't kill him because he integrated into this old nuclear facility. Oh, you just remember you just remind me of another fucking book series that I didn't get that I didn't finish. <laughs> so he integrated into the into the nuclear facility and he was like, What are your uh, you know, primary functions? Like, ah, yes, this is a nuclear testing uh, facility. And Right outside, before they went in, they found these bunch of crazy people worshipping the nuke as a chrome god. So they got into the middle of a combat situation, but then the robot came out and is like, I am an emissary of your god, and he's a robot, and they haven't seen robots on a consistent basis. So they're like, clearly, this is part of the mechanical god's plan. So he convinced them. If he speaks, he must be saying truth. <laughs> exactly. So he convinced them to stop trying to kill um, the other um, player character, which was my dad was playing him at the time. Um, they got inside the facility, and they tried to send the nuke off to go fuck with this town. The robot did. My dad had no idea what was happening because the robot just plugged itself into the computer and just stood there because he was talking, you know, in the cyberspace to the computer. Nice. And... I was like, I don't even know what the hell I'm going to have you roll for this. Just roll one of every, um, roll like five of the purple and red dice. So he rolls all those dice and it averages out to him having three failure, three radiation, and one advantage. Nice. So I'm like, you blow up. But you can back yourself up on the computer system. Everything else in a hundred mile radius, though, is now exploded and full of radiation. So he contaminated the Mississippi. The strongest source of clean water with radiation, basically ruining the economy of, of the, the entire continent. Ocean. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not even in this world. I'm not even playing the game yet, and my soul is in tarnation. <laughs> it is in tarnation, and like 
the whole time, my dad's looking at me like, aren't you going to stop him? And I'm like, I can't stop him. He's, I mean, I could stop him, but I'm not going to. Making. Were you playing this like in person? Uh, no, it was uh online. Online. Okay, okay, I was just checking because I, I, I know where your dad lives, so I was like, wait, what? Like, did you <laughs> actually land all these people in the same fucking place? So yeah, that's like one of the crazy scenarios um, that happened in there. Um, another one is a group of people in Baltimore, and they're part of a gang. Who likes Baltimore? Um, they chose it as the starting city. Um, I, 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 I asked them literally anywhere but the New Orleans coastline. Because yeah. you have to start somewhere else. Yeah, that had been done to death for me, and I needed to do other places. So they picked Baltimore. Yeah. And uh, I did a much more urban style with that. Mm -hmm. um, it was very similar in the lack of resources, but it was all concrete jungle. Yeah. The facade uh, of a big city was ripped away. Basically, the... The city itself was sectioned off into parts where gangs were running it. Mm -hmm. um, but like a business, up front, there was still gang violence, but there was a, a center you could go to to speak with members of the gang to, to take up your issues, yeah. so long as you paid protection fees. It worked like a mafia just out in the open. So... Um, they had an assassination contract for the characters to go deal with a butcher who had been causing issues. And when I say a butcher, I mean someone who kills people and cuts them up into pieces and serves them as meat. Um, Publix. Exactly. Uh, so they're like, how do we get there? And I'm like, well, it looks like you're walking. You don't have a car and you're not high enough to, you know, get one from the auto pool. They had company cars. Mind you. Um, so they go out into the waste and, um, they spend a, a gold bullet, which is a narrative device that allows you to put stuff out into the, um, world for, um, narrative resolution, basically. Mm -hmm. So they spend a gold bullet on having a car that was like really beat down, but could, you know, make the trip. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So they go to the car, they're trying to get it open. And then they're like, what are you doing with my bicycle? And it was a group of uh, bandits from neutral zones, which is areas that the, the gangs don't inhabit because mm -hmm. there's fucking psychotic people living there in mass droves. Makes sense. And so they, they had to basically either get the car working fast enough that they could run away or shoot down these people while they were trying to get the car working. And it was a, a hilarious scene where one of the the bandits ended up getting on the, the car and they just couldn't seem to kill this guy. And then they're like, wait a minute. And one of them just slams on the brakes and the dude flies off at 70 miles an hour into a pillar and dies after he had basically like crashed the windshield, almost half killed one person. And they're like, that was so easy. Why didn't we just think of that? <laughs> Why don't we think of having the luckiest happenstance possible? Um, well, no, they didn't think to just push, just step on the brakes, which is what launched him off the car in the first place. You know, if you think about it, if you can make the passenger safety belt fail, you can have a very easy murder whenever you want it. I mean, that's how you get rid of babies. Remember kids. 
that's how you do it. That's how you get Remember? rid of. That's how you get rid of babies. Abortions can go up to any trimester, including the 278th. Late-term abortion at 300 <laughs> months. <laughs> uh, what would that be? Nine months is zero. So let's do... Let me, I, I want to do this quick maths. I want to do this quick maths actually right now. 378, you said, divided by 12. So 300 minus 9. So nine, 291 by divided by 12. So at 24.25. At 24.25, your mother can hit the brakes, send you out the windshield, and say aborted. Um, <laughs> That's a good age to decide whether or not your kid's worth keeping. It, it is, it is. Um, another one of the backgrounds is a uh, caravan cruiser where you're basically working as like a, a guard for a big rig, which are mm -hmm. things it's like transport of supplies. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite um, ones is former trader. It's like so like mundane. Yeah. Uh, but it's a big deal in this world to be someone who goes out and trades in supplies yeah. Another one is an escaped slave. Um, so there are slavers in the in this world. Naturally. It's part of the hard reality. Welcome to human, uh, human history. Exactly. But um, this background doesn't start with any items or any money. The only things you get are an additional burden, which is that there's a bounty on you. And a burden is a narrative device for character creation. Um, a character is made up of uh, four four things. It's the race, background, burden, and then the class. So those are the four okay. buildings. Um, so anyways, you start off with an additional burden, which is a bounty being placed on you. So someone's hunting you down because you're a slave and, you know, the yeah. slaver wants property back. Um, but you have no items. You have an ability called resourceful, where living as a slave... You are more resourceful than your average individual. Whenever you do anything involving crafting, modding, or creating, you get to cascade your dice an extra step, which cascading refers to the downward movement of dice to mm -hmm. the next skill level. Yeah. Um, and 50 bonus experience. Yeah. Which the way that the game works is not a level system. It's an experience uh, expenditure system. So you buy things with your experience rather than leveling up and getting things. Um, but that one I like because, one, the narrative is interesting. You're, you're, you start off with nothing. Absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. But you have a lot of potential. Yeah, you're black. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I'm just gonna, just gonna go over here. Again. I, I, I am too big to play. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been hanging out on that one for a minute, waiting for a really good point to smack it down. Okay, okay. So, so you're Jewish during the '40s. Jesus Christ. Yes, but you don't have to say it. <laughs> Okay, so uh, you're a slave in this in this storyline or whatnot. Well, that's yeah. I. I feel like the I feel like you did you do you feel like that you actually marinated down to probably like several like a very small number but a core batch 
of backstories that would, granted, mix with your um, setting, but match human history as a whole. Because I think even now we have slaves that are, slaves in the modern era that aren't human trafficking, but there are people that have just succumbed to lives that are slavery to the jobs and the lifestyles that they have. So, like, they have, I would say that that is a fairly accurate way of describing what I've made. There's a lot of them that um, have parallels to myth. For for instance, I was about to you uh, give this example after we talked about the slaves, um, but the Dark Rider. Yeah. Um, your hand is bleeding over the old ruined and cracked pavement of the ancient crossroads. Buried near it is the heart of a creature you killed. You don't like thinking about it. The blood drips down your hand, falling through the air. You remember the reason you wanted to do this, why you needed to do this. The blood splatters upon the road and the words pour forth from your mouth. You can't stop yourself from saying them. Something's gnawing at you. This is a mistake. Suddenly, a cool mist rubs your cheek, giving you a moment of comfort before the spike of anxiety rattles through your grit. Um, the entity stands before you, its palm outstretched to you, its voice a whisper, as loud as thunder in your ears. Do we have a deal? And it's basically the, the narrative of people giving up basically anything for power. Making a deal um, with the devil. Yes. Um, not necessarily the devil, but, you know, whatever dark entity You're you making a deal to... in blood is how that plays out. There's yeah. No, there's no visualization of the words that you just give that don't picture the, the liquid as blood and the outstretched hand as either someone you've killed that you had to kill or needed to kill or an action that needed to be taken. And then the you have a deal just instantly pictures like some well-dressed devil or the devil from Futurama. Right. Um, so when you start off with that um, background, you start off with an additional burden of being cursed. Yeah. Um, because you have to take the curse on to get this power, but you get a very unique um, starting weapon, which only starts off with six damage, which isn't that great. Oops. There we go. My bad. Oh. <laughs> Everything's fixed. Everything should be fixed. Um, Everything's definitely fixed. Hold on. I mean, on. your video's not showing on my end. Hold on. Let me fix some things. I accidentally kick, click some wrong things. It's all good. There we go. So anyways, um, you start off with this uh, with this weapon that doesn't do a lot of damage at the start. It's like only six damage. Um, the crit rating for it is four, which means you have to spend four um, lucky points, like the horseshoes, mm -hmm. to get a critical with it. Um, but it has three um, hard points, which are like customization Mm -hmm. Like the things you can modify with it. Yeah. And the ammo it uses is stress. So there's two different types of health in this game. There is physical health and mental health. Um, so you can spend your mental health to shoot this gun. Yeah. And in this game, ammunition is also a form of currency. Yeah. So it's a very powerful weapon in that aspect, and it also has the silent quality, yeah, which um, means that you can just fire it anywhere and it not, you know, cause any problems. And you also start off with a unique horse, which is it's an undead horse. It can't be killed. It can be torn apart, but you can stitch it back together if you have the the means to do it, and it'll work just fine. Um, 
And you start off with a, a, a negative ability called Cursed Karma. Anytime a gold bullet is used, you lose the stress, which means anytime karma is trying to help somebody, you suffer for it. Yeah. Um, and then the one right after that is another mundane one. It's a refugee. So people from other wares in the world's coming here thinking yeah. it's a better life. It's not, but <laughs> this is America. Don't get you tripping up. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's exiles, wanderers, uh, people who come from tribal backgrounds. A lot of, back a lot of archetypical characters, basically. Uh, yeah, and you start off with different like equipment um, and abilities based off of these. It it helps, you know, define build them, your character. Yeah, define them. Yeah, too. one of them's high tech facility, and that's um, I was referencing um, Fallout when I did that one. Um, because you start off with this like unique technological device called a a pocket prospector, which is basically the pit boy. Although, when you say the pocket prospector, it sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> um, I'm in your pocket. I see your vagina. It's quite healthy and slippery. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's soldier, um, a spy, um, a noble, which in this world uh, is basically someone who controls trade. Mm -hmm. um, you can be part of the mafia, um, an urchin, a bodyguard. Um, and these are all things that talk about your life before you start the game. Um, you can have a background where you grew up in a bar mm -hmm. or a saloon. Um, you can be part of an order of knights um, called the Gunslingers. Um, you can be the child of a captain, the survivor of a cannibal attack. Um, and in that one, you have an option to lose one of your limbs for extra experience um, as the trade-off. Um, okay. Uh, I've wrote it down for later because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm interpreting my, well, I'm pretty good at capturing what my genius tells me to do or, or ideas my genius puts out. And my drunken <laughs> self, the only challenge is to permit what the genius says and put it down on paper. And I have the I have it written down on this G doc titled Aaron B notes for interview, but obviously we've expanded and now it has Sorry. a hundred episode series with Bryant system where we basically <laughs> grab whoever's willing to do a hundred episode series of your system with obviously a proper length of time per session right? to adequately, um, execute upon your system based on whatever parameters would equate to a well um, executed and experienced and produced um, campaign per se. That would be dope. I would be all about that. I, but, am, I am very much committed to things that end outside yeah. of my future marriage or whatnot. Um, although, <laughs> although she'll probably die for before me. I think. Oh, sad face. I don't know. I don't know. She's she's had for the insurance money, right? <laughs> that my man, finally... 
That way we man. can finally start our life together. Hey, one of us is going to die happy, and it's going to be the one with the insurance <laughs> policy benefit. <laughs> <laughs> but I made I made something like uh, 60-ish backgrounds. Um, all with a, a, a short narrative blurb, um, a set of skills that they start the game off with, items, um, unique abilities, experience bonuses, like start off for bullets, like which is their money, um, and whether or not they have fame or infamy, which in my system basically means who will be more willing to talk to you. Um, and I did that because... So many times I played a game where I wanted to just be like a normal person in that world who rises to greatness. Yeah. But I felt so often that I was somebody who already had skills, like really good skills, that is just meeting the challenges that are expected of them rather than doing something outside the bounds of what was expected yeah which in this game i mean some of the some of the classes are literally like there's there's a class uh called a towner and there's three different types of towners you can be which is a sawbones which is just a doctor just a, a doctor i find bones um, i saw them both visually a, and with this saw a diplo which is you're a diplomat um, or a bookworm. You're literally just someone who knows things. You're Tyrion Lannister. I drink and I know things. Um, one of the other classes in the game is a gambler. You literally are just a gambler. Now, one of the abilities in there is it as the uh, class progresses is you progressively are able to manipulate fate. Like the odds of fate. Um, there's traitors as a as a whole class system because, and I'll tell you, that's probably one of the strongest classes in the game. From an overarching standpoint, someone who is well versed in trade, because this well, is a already game. a trader. They're already established. They're already fluent per se in a in very valuable trade. Well, no, no, no. When I say trader, I mean there's someone who trades goods. Yes, yes, yes. But the trade is trading. Right, yeah. Yeah. And people don't think of that as something that can be powerful, but in a system, in a setting where... Bargaining is king. Yeah, where supplies, basic supplies for living are so strenuous to come by, that is a kingly class. Yeah, it's... You might as well... You could almost rename, rename it as merchant, Minus a currency, a, a well-defined currency. Right. Um, and then there's uh, a black finger, which is an old term for um, basically a mechanic because of oil. That makes, I like that. I like that. I like that. Um, and then there's like uh, smiths and um, what you call it? Carpenters? Uh, hackers is what I was going for. It's people who... And in this world, that's like a very specific skill set. Um, and it's difficult to make it in the world as a as someone who's good with code because so few people have high-ranking technology. But if you are, that's a very valuable skill set. 
um, the, the most common technology available is like the robots that walk around. Um, and most of them have come out from the wasteland into civilized areas, uh, basically either looking for someone to give them something to do because they want to function or because they wandered there um, sentient. Well, regardless, um, regardless, like, if you're going to define any sort of conscious being, being as we can define it, purposes, purpose and meaning is everything. It, yeah, even if you're just a, a, a human, you're going you're gonna to want to look for something to do. Whether you're a human or a V8, you need some fucking purpose. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, the book is up to 129 pages and the backgrounds facilitate, I think 60 something pages all by themselves. Um, the classes about 50 something pages. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's only because I've been able to narrow down, um, the information of the classes into a much more compact form makes it easier to read. Sorry. <laughs> so a long tangent on that. Um, there's a lot of other work that I'm being involved with. You and I are working on um, the fan dub thing. Yeah, we can jump into that in the next, in the next round. I, let me get this note down for us. Um, What note are you getting? At? I'm taking notations. Um, in my drunken state, I'm also taking notations of how to effectively do a 100 episode series and, a and evaluate or cast the right people to commit to the 100 episode series to effectively evaluate your system. And so that the 100 episode series, while also being a piece of content for Pseudo, can also be an effective place for you to evaluate, improve, and expand upon your system for hopefully a very effective release in the next five years. That that would be lovely. That's what I do. Thank thank you. Well, I'm I'm okay with the I'm okay with I'm taking my current position as a newbie to D and D as a very important situation. As if I do not find your system too complicated or generically attractive, then its ability to become attractive to the um, early adopters equates to it'll never hit the massive majority. Right. In terms of that progression of the bell curve, per se. Um, so, in always brainstorming of how to effectively execute upon good ideas, I need to just want to make capture those notes. Now, if you don't want to expand on anything else for your system, we can definitely jump into um, discussing our fandub project um, there's not a lot that's really happened right now, and some people are already trying to filter themselves out because of just understanding what the project's nature is. Um, so if you want to jump into that, go for it. Um, yeah, definitely. So um, a friend of mine um, and I were um, talking one day, and he said that he wanted to do an English translation of a uh, anime because he just liked the process and the thought behind uh, 
translating anime into English. And so I was like, that sounds cool. Let's do that. Because I've been getting involved with a lot of voice acting uh, stuff uh, recently. And I brought Aaron um, on as me? a... Uh, me? Yeah. As a producer, because if he was anything in the entertainment industry that I could pin him down as, it would 100% be a producer. Do you know who I've... I, okay, real quick as an aside. Ever since I was a child, the only thing I've ever really idolized or clearly went and said that equates to good shit has been Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> like that, like Lightning Tree or whatnot with like CSI back in the day, like Jerry Bruckheimer has always been this like, if I see that, you know, um, quick little short in the beginning of a movie, I'm just like, I'm about to watch some good shit. <laughs> yeah, he did uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, for those of you who don't know, um, Top Gun, uh, the Bad Boys uh, series. Um, what's his IMDb? Let's see. Run it, run it back. Titans. Remember the Titans. Oh God, that was a, that was a good film. Uh, Armageddon wasn't great, <laughs> but it was entertaining. I think it's still legendary, not for like any really good reason, just because it's like the only good like apocalyptic asteroid movie that we currently have in play. That's a that's a very specific subgenre <laughs> of apocalyptic <laughs> but movie. But like, but like. When, but like it's it's asteroids come and destroy the world. It may be very specific, but there's nothing else out there like like that right now. Like there's nothing else out there that is actually like a better version of apocalypse. That's very true. Okay, so interestingly enough, here's what he has um, coming up. Top Gun Maverick. So he's he's redoing yeah, the new one. The new one where um, Tom yeah. Cruise ends up becoming an instructor. Um, Hopefully he's still gay. An untitled Pirates of the Caribbean project. Oh, geez. National Treasure 3. Um, Beverly Hills Cops 4. Son of a bitch. And Bad Boys 4. I think <sighs> he's relying... I think he's going away from doing original content in his old age. Well, I mean, when you've built up a portfolio like he has... Um, you can do whatever the you, fuck you want for cash cows. Yeah, I, I feel like he's probably at this point just like, I just, want, I just want to make money to keep my lifestyle going and that's it. Yeah. He was artistic at one point. He doesn't need to be now. He created CSI. Yeah. He was a part of the creation of CSI, which has which is Which as far as serialized television goes, fantastic. Grisham was like my favorite character because I love ambiguous, very good leadership that speaks in few words. Mm. Like I love that kind of leadership. So anyone but me. <laughs> well, why do you, who do you th who do you think is the leadership figure between you and I? Um, between you and I, it depends on the situation entirely. Very true. Very true. Um, in this situation, it's you because well, this is my podcast. Yeah, in regards to fan dub, you may be the leadership figure, but you're going to look at me and go, could you please lead this for me right now and handle the humans? Oh, yeah, no, 100 percent. Um, that's why I brought you on so that I could be a baby. Uh, 
I need to wear a diaper. Could you please put the suit and tie on while I wear this diaper? <laughs> um. So fandub, but yeah, like, fandub is effectively turning as we're actually trying to in our very exceptionally and well-funded production trying to dub undubbed animes. Yep. So um, we have three. One's called Star Driver. The other's called uh, Morio no Hako, and the other one's called Kaiba. All of these have not had uh, an American production. Yeah. Um, so it's all Japanese. Um, what we're going to do is basically rip all the audio out of it. There's yeah. going to be no original audio um, from that production left. We're going to take our actors do their voice lines for it. Um, we're going to make um, some, not, I'm not saying it's a, like anything crazy music wise, but we're going to make our own music. Yeah. Um, and then we are going to um, edit the audio to match up with um, the animation and release quote unquote uh, that as uh, an episode of the anime with an English cast. Um, we've projected it at being around a two-month process. Um, more or less. And hopefully everything goes smoothly, but it won't. Because that's not how, you know, productions work. Um... But I'm excited for it, and I'm uh, uh, from the the voting that I've seen. Star Driver and Morio no Haka are in the lead, which I 100% called that because they're both the most accessible. Um, whereas Kaiba, is, while I think is the best one, it's very surreal and difficult to digest. Um, and then I have uh, one other project. Which you're taking notes now, aren't you? I'm messaging a um, artist who makes some SoundCloud music that I wanted oh. to feature in some of. I, he has um a certain song that I wanted to feature in my um Dorian's Diary series, and I wanted to met. And right now he's under contract with a um um with his with a label because he's young and dumb, mm. I imagine. Um, so I wanted to let him know that he may also be able to include his music in our productions should he acquire permissions Ooh. to um, corroborate with us or collaborate with Dope us. Dope Yeti. I realize, I forget every time until I remember that I have these weird little like spider palps on my mustache, like right here. Just like the little, the little part of the spider's mouth, it's the two little legs, almost. Your hair swooshy is very beautiful. My hair has gotten so long that I, my girlfriend can put Melanie can put like a little ponytail on it or something like that, like group it all back here. And I like, I enjoy the part. Like you don't, you no, very few people have met my father. Um, on my dad's side, it's Syrian. He's bald with like a crownish thing going on. So I wear my mother on my head, although she is not with me anymore. Bless. Bless indeed. Where's that? Keep going though, if you had anything else. Oh, right. 
Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about um, was the Thorgan project. I sent you a couple of the the images mm-hmm. for it the other day, um, as well as the the script to it. But we have, in like the course of like four or five days, we've gotten up to forty three panels um, of the comic done, and when that comic is finished we're gonna make it um a a moving comic i don't know how to describe it but it's like basically an animated like a comic or something like that or like sort just, of or it jumps between the frames um basically the camera f- goes around on the page emphasizing what's happening with voice acting yeah um added to it and fully sound effects um basically it's very still frame animation quote unquote yeah um but it's 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 chugging along and the artist that i have working with me um he wanted to 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 just do it um and get uh he said if it makes any money he he'd ask for money then but like he just wanted to do the project and he trusts me like i'm not one of the kinds of people who won't give you what you earned yeah um which don't don't ever believe anybody when they say that kids um always get it in writing <laughs> i i told i told him you should you know ask for something specific but he's like nah i trust you and i'm like okay i i wouldn't i'm not gonna fuck you but don't do that with other people <laughs> please please you're trusting me a lot and i trust me not to not to fuck you but you you when you deal with other other perps, other peeps, <laughs> no trust, not trust, yeah. please, to save your own glutes. And um, the guys, the guy's art style is um, really great. He so the comic's primarily a, a, an action um, adventure comic, I guess, in the in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. His poses for um, movement. Are so evocative, um, and really, that's really important when you're doing action in anything. Yeah. Um, even in movies, when you're filming action, if your character doesn't end up in a dynamic pose, you've done something wrong. I'm, I'm reminded of Bleach, right before um, Ichigo faces Aizen at the mm-hmm. end of that like major arc where like there's certain posing that matches the dialogue that's the internal dialogue that's occurring and there's something to be said about like there's probably a limited amount of poses that can be played but each pose has a limited limited batch of communication that it is allowed to expel yeah and 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 the you guy must, that you must match that at, properly. The guy that uh, that's doing the art for his name is Mark Tutaj. Um, look him up on Facebook and Twitter. Um, he does commissions. Um, one of the panels that he did for it had um, the main character standing over somebody and looking down on him, and just the slight curvature of the spine, along with the way that the hands were placed on the hips made me just like i i it wasn't 
um, we're at the stage of um, panel work where everything is literally just character models. It's not detailed in any way. But I could see the main character there. Like, standing over that guy. Yeah. It, and it felt so so very lifelike, and it was very reassuring. Um, I don't know when it's going to come out. It's working. It's making its way a lot faster than I thought it would. The fandom? I feel like... The fandom thing, or...? Um, the, the Thorigan project. Oh, the Thorigan project. Yeah, yeah, your other thing, yeah. Yeah, which is what I was talking about with the, the artist. Um, yeah, yeah. He's doing it a lot faster than I, I, I thought he'd be able to. Um, he's an efficient workhorse. In, indeed. Um, he also says this is the first time that he's really, really been excited about a project. Um, that'll make which a I'm glad I can facilitate. That'll make a motherfucker work on his lunch hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he's met me like probably once or twice every day for the past like four days doing panels and we've been four days we've done 48 panels and we're on page 12 out of um 20 for the script you're over halfway yeah in four days this motherfucker really likes your shit he does which is encouraging for me um thus far everybody that i've shown the the script to um has enjoyed it at mm-hmm. least a little bit. Yeah. Um, I did a, a script reading with a couple of people. There was four of us. Um, and uh, they really liked the, the, the tone to it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like scary, funny, um, where the main character is psych- clearly psychotic and a rage monster. But it's funny. You're... Because he has an irreverent tone. Okay, um, I don't need to dive down this full, full, huge rabbit hole, but so um, there's a new film coming out by Alexandra Daddario, or Daddario, um, who's just uh, the easiest thing I can say. Um, Alexandra Daddario. How do you spell Daddario? Uh, oh, there it is. It already populated it. Um, new film. Um, She's only really known by, like, at least by me in terms of she did, like, Halloween Hornets, but she has a new movie coming out. This We Summon the Darkness, which apparently is a horror comedy. And that's what you just reminded me of. Is, um, it, is it a horror comedy in the same vein as Cabin in the Woods? I don't know. Well, Cabin in the Woods was a horror comedy because it was a horror, but the, the meta elements made you laugh. But yeah, like it, the, the ridiculous, that was intentional, though. Yeah, the ridiculousosity, like the, the ridiculousosity, like it's the scale of the ridiculous that came into it is how I would define that word. The ridiculousosity, like the level of ridiculous that the cabin, that cabin in the woods went to, made you laugh because it actually broke the ceiling that would lead into madness, and in how you had to capture what was happening in front of you. Yeah, like, because there's certain things that that you laugh at because they're so dark or so mean because they break. They break normal bounds, mm-hmm. and so there is like a nervous laughter. Yeah, it, nervous laughter, but sometimes it's not even nervous because nervous would indicate that there's like a little bit of, little bit of apprehension in how your laugh sounds. Sometimes your laugh is out loud because it's very clear what you're seeing and hearing is bounds and leaps outside of the normal parameters of society as you know it. So, Cabin also in true. the Woods does does that because Cabin in the Woods is is that it's hilarious enough. And horror enough that 
you're not you can take it seriously from front to back. Yep, I I, I remember watching it two times. The first time I saw it, I watched it as a as a horror movie, and the second time I saw it, it's like now just think about everything you're seeing, but funny. And then I like watched it again. And I'm like. This movie's hilarious. <laughs> and it's not even hilarious because it's a bad movie. It's hilarious no, it's because not. it's almost troping on classic pieces of horror. It, it, it 100% is, and it's very well written, very well made. Oh, yeah, because, like, it, it's... I'm, I'm really enjoying us doing this voice cast series because it's forcing me to actually read scripts, which is why I actually want to jump into some Aaron Sorkin scripts, like with the newsroom. Um... Because I want to read scripts. I want to know what they feel like. Because uh, the only scripts I read before we got into the Hotbox voice cast was was Tyler's draft scripts for The Unknown Plumber. Which I, which admittedly, Melanie and I edited to fucking hell. (laughs) Because we'd read so much classic book literature, like book type of writing, that we got to a script and either we we mistakenly over-edited or Tyler's amateur... Probably quite possibly, quite possibly. Um, Tyler actually is very good at script writing. Well, that I appreciate hearing a proper counter to our negative um, commentary or critique. Um, now, the, the specific script you were looking at, I didn't get to read, so maybe that was perhaps, a bad example. Perhaps. It was one of the probably the first um, um, versions of season three for Unknown Plumber. But oh, oh, right, yeah, yeah, way that early on, back when you were in still, still in town, um, when we were practically like either like because when we were having our um table reads at the apartment, there were certain things that Melanie and I both went, What the fuck is happening here? and then someone reads it out loud, and I'm sitting there in person going, Like, check the room, no one says there's a problem. Oh, that's not a problem, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, oh, 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 actually, that makes you, sense. You were surrounded by a bunch of film students who knew what the fuck they were looking at. Well, yes, but also, there's a certain point where you should be able to oh, read that. Oh, wait, hold on. Before, before I forget, um, yeah. I do have a thing at 5 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, we have 20 minutes left out of, so we hit three hours. So if you need to go soon, we can do that. Because we've actually only shaved, like, one layer for you. Because I actually wanted to dive into, where's my notes? I wanted to dive into Hema and then also your relationship with your father as someone who has a very limited relationship with his own father. So, 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 so if you got to leave soon, we'll save those for like a future episode. Um, Cause I, I do treat, treat JHP like JRE and that people come back in a relatively often fashion for just bullshitting, hanging out, talking current events, but also diving mm-hmm. further into um, whatever topics that, you know, are tangential to the person that's on deck. Yeah, I can't believe uh, that I'm, I can't believe my vocabulary is this good while I'm this drunk. I don't think it's as good as you think it is, buddy. dude. Dude, well, I'm, I'm, I am impressed by myself at tangential. Tangential. <laughs> yeah, if you need to jump soon, then we can like uh, call it uh, call it right about here. Do the ending promos and uh, get you out of here so you're comfortable for your five o'clock. Excellent. I love you. Dope. Alrighty. So, sorry everyone who's watching this who is like registering that we're about to end this potentially very soon. Um, I will get um, all of the sort of promo pieces for um, the artists that Aaron is working with, as well as sort of um, promoting his pieces um, and things that he's talked about um, into the descriptions down below in the uh, YouTube um, upload of this. 
which should be on the Jailhouse Parlor uh, podcast uh, YouTube channel. Um, so, Aaron, thank you for coming on. Um, thank you. Go ahead and give having. a verb. Go ahead and give a, a shout out for um, where they can find you, uh, where people can find you at, and uh, give a um, shout out for anything else that you might be working on or is upcoming. Well, you can uh, definitely find me on uh, facebook.com slash aaron.bryant.7169, um, which is apparently my Facebook homepage number. I never actually looked at it like that. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitch at um, uh, twitch.tv slash table nights. And um, you can find me in Discord um, at the round table. Oh, you do have a Discord. Yes, that is the name of my Discord server. I have not invaded it yet. Oh, well, we're going to have to have you invade at some you, point. You must fix this so I can mod it out to it so, so it actually has some structure <laughs> to it. Um, well, we're actually about to, to watch a movie um, shortly on that server, which was the thing I was telling you about. Oh, you um, do you watch it with your do you watch it with um, your Discord group or whatnot? Yeah. Dope. Do you have any? Do you, do you have concurrent viewers or whatnot, or is it just like you hanging out watching? Oh, it's movies? just friends. It's friends. friends. What movie are you watching tonight? Onward. Onward. Oh yeah, everyone's like crying their eyes out about that. Like it's so. Dude, fucking... made me, it made me cry. It sounds it like it, it's. Cry. It sounds like it's the first animated film in a while that isn't a part of the minions level of buffoonery in the animation dude, world. Right dude, now. as as far as I'm concerned. This and Frozen are the only two movies that Disney has made in the past 20 years that is worth a damn. What about Wreck-It Ralph? Wreck-It Ralph's okay. Okay. Because I saw like the se- I saw like half of that actually recently. I, I, got, I saw the second half of it. God damn it! We're getting off on another tangent! Okay. <laughs> so, uh, thank you Aaron for coming on in. Um, again, we'll go ahead and... Um, I'll be editing this and putting it on up to the JHP YouTube channel. Um, and you can check out Aaron at all of his pieces. Keep an eye out uh, in the Pseudo Productions Discord for the fan dub announcements for when we actually finally get that underway. We're hoping to get um, our first episode of that out, like the main project of that out, by the end of next month, if not early August. Um, if you are interested in dubbing any animes, um, Feel free to call, reach out to us directly or through Pseudo Productions um, or JHP to um, become involved in that. Where auditions are coming up soon, um, but go ahead and watch the first. But if anything, if you want to capture the first three episodes, um, or just let us know in the Discord that you're interested, um, we're just going to be doing episode one of whichever anime is voting on first out of the three between Kaiba. Um, what were the other two? Mario Nohako and Star Driver. Yeah, we'll be doing one episode of one of those three and yep. doing the full production in terms of the audio and the dubbing of the voice lines to effectively match the Japanese translation. So if you're interested, go ahead and let us know. We can get you on in. We have auditions coming soon, and we hope to have that completed by early August at the latest. Thank you again, Aaron. And we're going to go ahead and cut this on out. And hopefully we'll be able to get a hundred. I want I want to talk to you uh, about trying to get a proper series for your for your D and D. So, thanks guys. Absolutely. We'll catch you later.